Coming to you from that galaxy far, far away, this is the Star Warriors Podcast. And tonight, this is Chris. And this is Rocco. How are you, Chris? Oh, I'm, I'm here, my friend, once again to talk about some amazing books. And this month, I'll tell you. It was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, this month delivered a small amount of books, but a really good group of books. And I really can't wait to talk about all of them. Yep. So we'll be discussing uh, most of the books that came out in April. Uh, we're pushing Bounty Hunters 22 to the next month. Uh, so look forward to that. We just I didn't have the opportunity to read it. Rocco pointed out to me that my my entire scheduling on this one was kind of screwed up because of I'm not even sure. I just think I keep looking at the wrong article, my friend. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, with all the podcasting we're doing and listen up casuals, you know, make sure you're listening to that out there. Um, you know, we, we got a lot going on, so I get it. It happens. We do work, all that life, mm-hmm. all of it. Children. Um, exactly. You have children. I have 375 children because I work at school. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. At least I get to give mine back. Yeah, so. you do. Yeah. Yours are rental. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's do a little celebration here because uh, a little belated May the 4th, uh, we're recording this in May. Uh, so cheers. 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 Uh, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because we are going to be talking about April's books, uh, but we do record the, the a little bit into the new month. But happy May the 4th be with you all. And uh, we're going to jump and right also into with the you. news. Oh, oh, my gosh. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, That's why not, I'm enough people, not enough people do that. So No, they don't. And they're not recognizing it as a holiday. Personally, I think that we should have time off of work, paid. Yeah. and It's uh, much better than that butcher of um, Native Americans. Yeah, that guy. Um, it would be yeah. way better. He's way, Star Wars is way better. It should be a national holiday. We get time off of work. I hey, feel dis- I feel discriminated against. I do too. I think we should really go to, I guess maybe the Senate, you know, and, and talk about this one day. Yeah, I'd say this is the most important thing going on in the country right now. I think so too. Let's <laughs> let's make this happen. Uh, speaking of important things, let's get to the news from the Hollow Net. Uh, we yes. do have some some news. I threw some stuff in here because there wasn't a lot of exciting news. We do have celebration on the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're saving a lot of these announcements for that big show, mm-hmm. uh, which is this month. So I'm yep. very excited for that. Uh, but let's start off with Kevin Feige, uh, his movie, which is going to be written by uh, the writer of the latest Marvel movie, Doc Strange. And also, um, I believe it was Loki. So M- Michael Waldron is, will be writing the script. And I'm very excited for this because it seems like they are actually going to tell a tale from another galaxy or outside of the usual Skywalker saga and things we've already been seeing. And this is things that a lot of us have been asking for. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is is very, very, very big. And what's great about it is you can tell a story in Star Wars on a grand scale and you can also tell it in a microcosm. Um, And movies and shows have done well in that. Um, I love Star Wars, so give me new characters, give me new movies, give me old characters, give me old movies, give it, give me all of it. It's Star Wars. So, um, and Kevin Feige with what he's done with Marvel, um, it is rare that there is a bad Marvel movie under his tutelage. Um, yeah, there've been some, you know, some misses, but not many. So I trust him. He's been involved with with it for so long, even before the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at a lot of the movies, his name's under the production credits and stuff like that. So I've always said um, to always, you know, I believe in Feige. I have faith in Feige for everything he does. And I really wish that Star Wars had its own Feige, but at least we'll be having a movie directed by him. So very excited. Yeah, I would love if that was Favreau. And I'd love if he worked in tandem with Filoni. Just give them Star Wars. Just give them Star Wars. Exactly. And Charles Soule now. I yeah. should actually have mentioned that too because Charles Soule is um, taking on a, a larger role at Lucasfilm uh, after his success with the comics that we talk about on the show all the time. And that he'll be he'll be a much 
playing a much bigger role in the storytelling uh, side of things. So very excited. Looking forward to that. Yep. Um, so Ahsoka has been canceled. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is begins production. Okay. Man, give me uh, a sorry, quick heart that. attack. Jeez. So somebody call 911. Thank um, the force. Save Rocco because I need a co-host. So my God, no. Um, uh, yeah, I saw that, you know, the, the chair with Filoni's hat on it, you know, because he's weird and wears the cowboy hats. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's fine. Awesome. He's, you know, um, Lucas Jr. right. Exactly. I'm good with it. Um, no, but I'm really excited about the show. I'm really excited about the story. Um, and I think that we're going to get um, something really solid out of this. Me too. Me too. I cannot wait. Um, I've been really waiting for more of our uh, favorite Rebels characters to return. And this is the perfect opportunity to finish out that story. And I hope you don't have to weep too much. But um, oh, I'll cry little, through the whole damn little thing. Worried, little worried about where they're going to go with uh, some of our characters here. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since we know they don't exist in the future. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they're setting up too, because there's a lot of rumors of uh working towards like a movie that would kind of pull all of this new republic stuff together as one big event so wow fingers fingers crossed i've heard air of the empire being somewhat adapted in a way you know with with thrawn probably coming back in the series i mean they'd have to change a lot of things but that's that's kind of the idea of uh of what they want to do mm-hmm. so exciting uh as we get ready for obi-wan how many days 15 days yep just over two weeks uh so two weeks from tomorrow we're recording this on thursday the 12th you'll be hearing it this sunday but it'll it's coming it's almost here and i'm very excited for this but uh they just released the first action figure the black series figure from this series and i have already ordered it <laughs> um me too and it's a beautiful figure. Um, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, as here in the notes, you have the wandering Jedi. Um, yes, I think a, that yep. I think that's so cool. And I love that thought, um, you know, and I can't wait for this show. Um, there's a lot of high hopes in this show, you know, in this show, going into this show. Really can't wait for it. Uh, for you listening, Rocco just showed me the cover of Obi-Wan number one, which we'll be talking about on this show because it just came out. Um, this is actually the one May book because um, I wanted to get this on the show because we were late on episode or on issues. And then I realized I was totally wrong. So we weren't late on issues, but we're still going to talk about Obi-Wan today. Yes, we are. Uh, so that, that series is running concurrently right now uh, with the show approaching. But every Wednesday, look forward to more releases um more collectibles and stuff mm-hmm. like that leading up to the show and and into the season uh you know that these companies are not going to miss the opportunity to put out as much swag based on our favorite jedi absolutely uh next up jedi fallen order the sequel uh will probably be a next gen exclusive not set in stone yet but this is what it's looking like and it, you know it should be at this point like you know ps5 has been out for how long xbox over a year yeah so it's like it it's it's time i'm sorry for those that still have a ps4 you know i had one for a while till it just died and you know i ended up getting my ps5 and that was a struggle to get in itself but i mean yeah at this point yeah right at this point, we these games are continuously pushing the envelope and they can't be held back by old by older machinery. You know, they need to push this machine, these machines, and they have that ability. These machines have that potential to push the envelope in next gen gaming. And, you know, I, I, I played what Horizon Zero Dawn. And yeah. I mean, there was pretty much no difference between gameplay and cutscenes. And that is what, as gamers, as serious gamers, that is something that we have, you know, constantly wanted. I want my character to walk out of a cutscene and the graphics don't change. And what, 20, 25 years ago, that seemed impossible. It's happening already. So, like, now for Star Wars, what else cinematically besides Star, you know what I mean? It's Star Wars. This is perfect. This is cinematic. So, 
sorry, it's it should be on next gen. Absolutely. And why why would you develop two concurrent like two games where you're spending money on a lower version and then you're just upping the graphics a little bit for PS5? Just do it all. Do it yeah. all. We're ready. We're yeah. Ready. Yeah. Uh, last up in the news, this isn't really news, this is a public service announcement for Disney and anybody out there that wants to listen. Give Bryce Dallas Howard a goddamn movie to direct. Star Wars, the rumored Fantastic Four, now that John Watts has stepped away, I don't care. This woman deserves to direct something because she's amazing. I just read an article that she has already like shown interest. Um personally i think that bryce dallas howard should have her own trilogy and i do think that i think that she's one of the directors that can deliver an amazing story with a character like obi-wan not and we're already doing obi-wan um but i think that her first of all any episode she's done in the mandalorian and in book of boba fett those were the best episodes like she had the best episodes hands down every time. Okay. You're talking, you're talking like a group of directors who are all accomplished too. Yes. We're not, we're not talking about a bunch of schlubs. We're talking about some of the best directors in the business that did different episodes. You know, y'all know how I feel about Taika. Taika is probably one of my favorite directors period and what he can do from his Marvel movies, what we do in the shadows um, to um, Jojo rabbit. We were all just talking about in our group chat Um, that the man knows movies, but Bryce Dallas Howard, man, oh man. I mean, I loved his episode, but I just think that her episodes were all a cut above everyone else's. And it's very obvious that she knows the world. She's tied to the world and she loves this world. And I adore that. And I want to see her succeed and I want to see her with a trilogy, but I think that she'd do better in a time period with characters that we know already. There's something that she can do with those characters that other directors can't seem to do. And I I don't understand it, but I love, I love it. I love every, every minute of it. It's in the blood. It's in the blood, my friend. Yeah. It is. So you want to you want to take over? Yeah, so you have a little little something to share. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about Halcyon Legacy for a moment. Um, now Halcyon Legacy is up to let's see here issue. It's up to issue number three, Halcyon Legacy, at this point. Um, and I've I've read one and two. I have three sitting here on my desk, which I'm going to read after we're done with the show. Um, and when I heard about this book, I said, this is a stupid Disney cash grab. Um, and I was like, wow, what, what, this is dumb. Like, but I got number one because it is a number one. I got it in first printing and honestly, it sat in my drawer for a while. I have like a comics drawer that is like my stack of there. If it's in the drawer, I haven't read it yet. (laughs) So you know, I'm going through my comic stack and, you know, when you're flipping through the ones you haven't read and you're like, what, what, do, I, what, what do I feeling like tonight? And then I, I was feeling Star Wars and the only Star Wars comic I had was Halcyon Legacy number one. So I was like, oh, I'm going to I'll read it before I rip this to shreds and say how stupid this is. I'm going to read it. OK. And at the end of the day, it is a Disney cash grab, but it's not stupid. So. We are to know that the new Disney attraction is the Halcyon Legacy, which is supposed to make you feel like you're on a cruise, on a starship cruise. And that starship cruise gets invaded by stormtroopers because there are resistant spies on the Halcyon Legacy. And you kind of get to do a real world RPG in in there and it's a three-day experience immersed in star wars now they have these partner comics that are coming out with it and i thought it was stupid well what they did Much was more affordable right yeah the comics that yeah tell me about it <laughs> so this is the only way i could do it i have my kids just read the comics say great it's like you've been on it but anyway um no. your eyes. so 
the what I'm learning is that these because of how old the ship is, the ship has been through most of the eras, Clone Wars, the Empire. So they're actually High Republic, High Republic. So they're actually telling stories of famous characters that have been on the Halcyon legacy. And what's great is, is that you can now go to the Halcyon legacy and you can stand in areas and be in areas that these famous characters have been in stories that have been told. And number three is Anakin and Padme. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, the last one was, um, what's her name? She was in Clone Wars. Aura Singh. Aura Singh. That's right. So number two was Aura Singh. Number one was the High Republic. Um, but I just, I really love that. I think that that's so creative. Now, yes, it is a marketing tool and yes, it is a cash grab, but it's so creative. I can't even be mad about it. That's exactly what I thought when I realized what this, what the series was about. And I think it took that second issue for me to be like, wait, or a sing, this is what they're doing. And then with the, with the whole Han and Leia wedding thing coming up as well, that's another thing that they're going to be featuring on the star cruiser. So it's interesting to see them tying this thing into canon the way they are. Exactly. And then when I found out, I read and found out Halcyon Legacy number three was going to be Anakin and Padme. And Anakin slash Darth Vader is my favorite character in Star Wars. Um, you know, I, I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't wait to just understand what happens here, because obviously it's during the Clone Wars and their their betrothment is, is hidden. So what is this that they couldn't have gone on a public honeymoon? So what's what's happening here? You know, is this a hidden honeymoon? I don't know. I guess we'll have to read it and find out. But, Chris, I digress. We have other books to discuss. We do. We do. So let's get to uh, the comics. Yes. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi number one, uh, which is definitely a push because of this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good timing. But I don't care. I love Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. and I've been really looking forward to this series. So this first issue is called Younglings Challenge. The writer of the series is Chris, Christopher Cantrell, art by Ario Anandito, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Caramagna. Um, Caramagna. So I am excited for this series because it looks like it's going to go through different time periods of Obi-Wan's life. Yes, it starts off in the desert. He's awaiting the sandstorm, but he's starting to like reminisce about uh, his time on Tatooine, how long he's been there. He's definitely the old Ben we know from episode four. But then we, um, it's great because he flashes back to the Jedi Temple during his mm-hmm. Padawan days. I was so taken aback by that. Like, I really had no idea what to expect with this book other than Obi-Wan was going to be on Tatooine. And that I, I had a feeling it was going to lead into the show that's about to come out. It's just too convenient not to. Um, but when I realized he's journaling, I was like, I see what's coming. And then there's two little Padawan. And I'm just like, okay, so one of them is Obi-Wan. And I couldn't put it down. No, it was great. It, it goes back to that first run of Star Wars, the Jason Aaron run, when he was doing like, I think it was like, I don't, I don't think it was called Book of Obi-Wan or whatever it was, but Luke was finding the journal entries from, you know, he found Obi-Wan's journal in his hut and he's reading through it because he's left on his own and he's really trying to get a grasp on his training and what he should be doing. And I thought that was a really great idea because we did get Obi-Wan's stories through that. Now here we have kind of the same thing where he's telling us the tale as he's, you know, he's, this is definitely like right before episode four. Um, yeah. So it's good to go back because I don't think we've seen Obi-Wan as a Padawan before. No, um, no, we haven't. I mean, we well, we saw him as an apprentice, if you would still consider that a Padawan. Um, I feel like the line is a little murky there or it, was just... it is right. He was so old at that point. Yeah, like, like, yeah, you're a Padawan. Let's cut off your braider now at the end of the movie, and you're not. Yeah, you defeated a Sith Lord, so now you're a Jedi, right? That's that's what it was. Yes, correct. So the way I understand it, and and correct me, anyone. And I'm and sorry, please... I meant youngling. That's what we should have said. 
not Padawan. He was a youngling, right? In this yeah. book? Yes, he was a youngling. That's okay. correct. Yes. So he was a youngling. So younglings tip Yoda looked looked up, looked after all the younglings. And then it was Jedi Knights and Masters when they decided to take on Apprentice would choose from the younglings. And that youngling became a Padawan learner or an apprentice, as they were called as well. And obviously Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon chose Obi-Wan and um Typically, in order to be uh, knighted, you have to go through the trials. And Qui-Gon had even said in episode one that Obi-Wan was ready for the trials. And Obi-Wan was like, I'm honored that you would say that. But then you don't actually need to take the trials if you vanquish a Sith. And he killed Darth Maul. So he was knighted immediately. They took his braid and he was knighted. Now, I think that feeds into also... Um, Obi-Wan's ineptitude when it came to training Anakin. He did, he never, he didn't have to do the trials, you know? So there was a part of his training he lost um, that maybe, I, I don't know if it was the linchpin, but just something I always thought about. Like he wasn't as trained as the other Jedi Knights and then taking on this apprentice. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. We don't really see a whole lot of training, right, with Anakin and and Obi Wan. It's more like this brotherhood, and we just it's. I guess it's hard to see Anakin as kind of like that that trainee because he is so like um, such a rebel and he doesn't want to listen to anybody. It's and it's really powerful. just a lot of want. It's a lot of whining in those movies too. So I like this because we got to see a really young Obi Wan, and then mm-hmm. we meet his friend uh, Garen. And she is having visions of her father. Um, so, you know, of course, visions that some, some Jedi do get of the future and whatnot. And the part of this character is that she has held on to this necklace. She's held on to this attachment. So you can already see this the issue with that. And mm-hmm. perhaps the dark side knocking, you know, on her door a little bit here and there because why you know it's she wants to go and save her father she does she doesn't want to stay at the temple and that's that's a huge thing and obi-wan is like well you you have to stay here um but when she runs he follows her yeah and and i think what's really important in the book is when he says the words and then i never saw her again Mm -hmm. and there was there was pain in that and i think that for me all I was thinking about is the conversation that Obi-Wan had with Anakin, uh, you know, visions of your mother again. And he was trying to get him to talk about it. And now I think that we have more context to that conversation because Obi-Wan's Obi-Wan dealt with us when he was a little boy mm-hmm. and to someone he was very close to. And then he lost her forever. He never saw her again. And he didn't want that with Anakin. So he's trying to get Anakin to really, talk about it so they can have a conversation about it and hopefully he wouldn't lose someone again which obviously the ultimate tragedy is he does anyway so that's a really good point i didn't really think about that that's why Um, i'm here that's right (laughs) right uh so they do get captured by the these black sun uh, operatives who were going to give give run a ride off the planet of course they use the force together to escape um and then they part ways and like Mm -hmm. you said um they never see each other again but obi-wan does return to the temple and he runs into yoda who is waiting for him to come back and then he's tasked to think over these these thoughts as he's sweeping the temple i love that i loved that's the one thing i like about i I don't say like I, i one thing i love about star wars is this galaxy far, far away, space wizards and lightsabers and all different aliens. But it brings it back to something that we all know about is, is, you know, these little things that we can all relate to. I got in trouble at school and from my teacher, who's not only wise, but I respect them, but I'm obviously going to be punished and I'm going to deal. I love, I love that. And I loved Yoda just waiting up for him at night. Uh, just like you can sweep the floor <laughs> and that's so yoda too it's like uh, i'm not gonna yell at you but you're gonna you're gonna learn a lesson here um and that's great i mean 
I, th I thought they closed out the comic really well. I'm really excited to see what comes next. Are we going to see Qui-Gon? I'm sure we'll see some Qui-Gon here and there. Um, and that's, that's really it. I mean, it was, it was very, I guess, to the point in this, in this issue, there wasn't a lot of other buildup. It was just, we're learning another story from Obi-Wan's past and get a little window to his youngling days. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'd say if you are a star, honestly, I, I don't know if you're a casual reader, if this is really something that you should pick up. Um, but if you are a Star Wars fan like Chris and I are or even not as much of a fan, but if you are like a real big Star Wars fan, I'd say definitely pick this book up. It was really, really good. It was really yeah. good. I was impressed. Yeah, both the story and the art are both really great. Mm -hmm. I just, I really, I really love the the depiction of of the characters in this, and very vibrant as well. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was a very, it was a gorgeous book. All right, so let's let's get into Crimson Rain uh, because it's still going on. We are on the so we'll be talking about Crimson Rain four later in the show. Uh, so we're almost at the end. This mm -hmm. this part of the trilogy of Charles Soule's trilogy has three three different arcs we're in the middle arc and so we're gonna be talking about star wars number 22 it's mm -hmm. called the last division it was written by charles soul art by ramon rosanas colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by clayton cowles so i really liked how this opened because it's interesting to see kira and crimson dawn making an alliance if i may with the rebel alliance yes Yes. And I think seeing Kira and Leia interact is again. Yeah, again. But now different, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like she's on Leia's ship and Leia's in charge. And Leia made no she did not mince words at any point with Kira. She made it very, very clear you are on my ship. And if you even breathe wrong, I will have you executed um, was just pretty much like it was just extremely clear. And and that's what I love about Leia is, you know, she is she is probably the smartest person in the rebellion. She is incredible. She's beautiful. She is beautiful. And she as is as brutal as she is beautiful, both as a tactician and as a straight up, just, just toe to toe. So her interactions. And, and that's the thing is Kira is the same way, but Kira isn't as benevolent as Leia is where Leia will always want to do what she believes is the right thing. Kira will too, but also as a means to her own end, or, I mean, who knows? We are still learning about Kira, aren't we? Yeah, but a lot of the a lot of the things that we read in this, it you can read it and hear Amelia Clark and the, the way that she spoke in the movie. I just she is that same character. Yeah, and I think Charles Soule does a really good job, like transferring that mm -hmm. voice into the comic. Um, and I also think it's interesting because she comes to the the rebels with a proposition. Uh, the fact that she started this cartel war herself right mm -hmm. she she initiated it or she sparked it mm -hmm. and now she's like you know you're gonna lose some of your your supply chain so why don't we work together mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see crimson dawn and the rebels because uh work together or you know try to come to a an agreement because of their um similar goal of taking down the Sith. yeah exactly and it makes me really wonder about you know, because at this point, Darth Maul is dead. So it really makes me wonder about what happened with Maul because she really, really hates the Sith. Maul really, really hated the Sith at the end of his life. Yep. So I just want to be a fly on a wall in the conversations that she had with Maul. Um, I bet they were fantastic. Um, the guy went from like a mute to a poet, really. Um, so I, I, yeah, you just see it through in the character. Yeah, yep. And I really, really am a firm believer that we need 
something from that time. I don't care if it's an animated show or what, but give us give us that Kira's rise to power in in Crimson Dawn because it's still kind of a mystery what happens. Yes, and give us Sam Witwer. Exactly, exactly. Um, so Kira comes bearing two gifts. She has the location of the last Rebel Fleet Division, which is huge because Commander Zara has been on a war path, wiping out any any small cell she can find, any fleet she can find. She's a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she comes offering Zara's location of her and her hunter squad. So this is an interesting thing because we see this small alliance being built, like I said. But one of my favorite things was like when Kira was like, let me, I want to go see Chewbacca. Yeah. Chewbacca's like, I had to look at the, the scene twice because I was like, what is he doing? What is this scene? And I was like, oh yeah, it's a hollow projector or room yep. or hollow room or whatever. And he's just like, you know, he's planning an assault on Jabba's palace. He's planning on doing it himself. Yeah. And I thought that that was so Chewbacca. And I definitely got Danger Room vibes from it uh, for you as X-Men fans. I was like, this is like the Danger Room or something. It's got to be. And then it turned out and I was like, okay. Because I was confused too. Like, what is happening? But I love that, like, just those little details where Kira is like, you know, she had, she knew Chewbacca. So to ask to see him was just like you know she she there was sentimentality there and it lends to the character uh she's not really a bad person she's a survivor and you know i do but i also think it was really funny that chewbacca just didn't want to take his finger up trigger and they were like making a big deal of that and like he's not happy with her no he's like i don't care i know who you are i know what you've done like I thought, you know, we were friends or you were friends with my with my friend who I have a wife that with. So it's really funny to see these dynamics because mm-hmm. we're both fans of Solo and I Great think movie. that bringing, yeah, exactly. And bringing her into this as one of the main antagonists slash protagonists is a huge step. And I, I really like to see this character get fleshed out. I do. I just, I really wish that we got more of Amelia Clark on screen with as Kira I really, really want that. Um, hashtag make Solo 2 happen. Anyway. A lot of, anything could happen. We don't know yet. You know, We'll see what happens with her in this. Who knows if she's alive in the New Republic times even. Yeah. So uh, let's jump over to Shara Bay because uh, we have last issue. She was captured by Zara. Um, and this issue, we open to her interrogation, her torture. We know that Cass and his crew and starlight squadron are all headed to try to rescue her what's funny is is that nobody realized they were gone and when Leia was like all right let's let's head out to go take on zara like oh commander kest has already done so this is so poe this is so what happens in the last jedi um where poe is so defiant of orders um and now we see where he gets it from yeah i caught that too absolutely and her torture um, when they showed a hollow of baby Poe, not only do I know where your son is, but I know what his name is. Yes. Um, this is your son, Poe Dameron. And as a, I know these are comic books, but like as a dad, you know, she immediately was like, all right, cool. I'll tell you everything. And like, I'm sorry, but like, if that was my kid, all right, at this point, fuck it. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's kind of crazy. Uh, cause she was, she wasn't going to break. No. That, that changed everything immediately. Yeah. It was, it was immediate, which again lends to the character. She, family first and her husband, family first. He's on her way to get her. And the first moment she realized her son was in trouble or her son was being threatened, then, you know, okay, I'll tell you everything. And then, so Cass and crew, they they make their jump. They come in, and they set up this diversion. And so they're basically their their star fighters are kind of extending the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, as Zara does notice eventually, 
Well, Cass and some of his crew take a U-wing and land inside the Star Destroyer. I think that the Star Destroyer is very interesting because the Star Destroyer was heavily, heavily, heavily damaged during the first Death Star battle. And it is a, a living monument to Grand Moff Tarkin who died. And the monument is the fact that they didn't fix the ship at all. So there's all portions of the ship that are still destroyed. And that's where he was like, that's where we're going to land. Not to mention they left the dead bodies there too. Yeah, right. That we learned. Yes, exactly. So to me, when it comes to extreme zealots of your government and, you know, your governmental figures, like Star Wars always rings true in, in our world today. So it's right. I thought that was so interesting. Absolutely. So Zara realizes that something is amiss. And so they jump the light speed, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we have, they leave their own fighters fighting the rebels, whatever, but they take um, cast and crew with them on this mm-hmm. jump, um, which is a really smart tactic on Zara's part. And where do they jump? They jump to the location of that last fleet. Uh, that Leia is looking for. But mm-hmm. luckily, Kira's given the location of that. And so immediately after that, the Rebel fleet arrives and Zara's like been confronted by this huge, this huge, like, she's entire, like, it's the entire fleet. Exactly. The, the entire, entire fleet. fleet. So you think she's going to be scared at first, but then the final panel's like, like she's so confident. Um, and it's kind of scary because mm-hmm. this is exactly what she wanted, you know. Yeah, she was she's an an absolutionist in terms of like, oh, cool. Instead Mm -hmm. of they're going to destroy me, it's they're all here for me to destroy. Either it's bravery or stupidity. We're going to find out next month. Well, this month, I already have 23 sitting in my drawer. I haven't read it yet. That's right. You're all going to hear about it next month, but I'm sure you're reading. At least we hope you are. Exactly. So let's uh, let's take this opportunity. Let's jump to the commercial, and then we'll come back with more Star Warriors. Stay with us. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly, focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. Welcome back to the Star Warriors podcast, and we're here today talking about Marvel Comics, and as always, I am Rocco. And this is Chris. And we are jumping into our next offerings for this month of comics, and I believe, Chris... We are going to talk about Darth Vader number 22, um, and the cover was gorgeous on this. Did you see the cover on this one? I did, cape, but show me again, so I'm, so I'm even more like amazed by it. His especially cape on air. is flowing. Oh, that's cool. That I is, love that. That's awesome. Sorry you all can't see that out there. You're missing out, but I'm sure you can do a quick Google search. Yes, that but you can. We're, we're enjoying it. Yes. It's sensual. Um, yes. Anyway, Star Theater number 22 is called Crimson Havoc. Uh, it's written by Greg Pack, art by Rafael Ianco, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Caramagna. So this, we had a little confusion at the end of last issue. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the beers, but it was that Vader realized that Ochi was a traitor and that Sabe is also not who she says she is. And that actually gets clarified more in this issue. But at the beginning of this, I really liked this because Vader is just like, 
he takes these two and just throws them yeah down a hill into this pit of monsters Mm -hmm. and right here is his power move to infiltrate crimson dawn Mm -hmm. Uh, we did learn because he takes the pin at the end of last issue from sabe and the way this starts off i thought was really great because ochi is always a sniveling goon yeah and he does it even better in this in this issue yeah he like rats vader out to uh general ramoti and ramoti is like what why what is the point of this like and his response is listen i follow power so if you are the one that ends up alive i want you to think of a good reason to keep me alive and you know it's just so very ochi as we've learned about him yeah there's a lot a lot of like backroom deals and and alliances made on the side and things like that it's really interesting but i really i really liked um the fact that sabe comes out and it's like no I don't really believe in Crimson Dawn. I just, I just infiltrated them. And this is another interesting side to this character because, you know, jumping ahead to like kind of that preview for the next issue, they show like Vader and her together. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a weird parallel because of the fact that you can see Padme in her. And I'm sure Darth Vader does too. And it's like, why she even asks that at the beginning that droid zed why am i still alive and it's like well he it's because he has a use for you exactly and i thought about that is that he has not been able to bring himself to just straight up execute her because she looks just like padme and it's on purpose padme's handmaidens were chosen that they look like her so they could switch in and out um as body doubles so in case of an assassination, so now you're looking at a, a previous body double, one of her handmaidens, and Vader looks at her and he just sees his wife and he is not going to freaking dismember her, even though he may want to. At the same time, he still blames himself. He still fully believes he killed Padme. And that might be the truth. You know what? That might it might have been. Whatever, when he started strangling her before he came to and stopped strangling her, that might that he might have done something, but we don't know that for certain. All we know is the emperor lied and said, without a shadow of a doubt, Vader accidentally killed her. And that that droid obviously doesn't know how to diagnose people because he's like she's she's dying of a broken heart, which is the dumbest line ever written. Like written, I get it, but. Just say her trachea was crushed and she can't breathe and we got to save the babies before she dies. Yeah, exactly. Like you could have said something like that. I still, I don't. It was PG-13. Yeah. Right. I I mean, come on. I mean, he choked, he he choked a pregnant lady. He's not a, he's not a good person. No. His wife Uh, nonetheless. Yeah. He's a very confused person. And I think that that's why I think that's the use. I thought that line was fantastic. Um, for that reason another thing i really liked about this was the um the line that after well first when she, when he asked do you believe in crimson dong sabe she says no i just infiltrated them oh she says oh me too oh sure okay whatever Punk. yeah um and then vader asks do you plan on serving the empire sabe and she says not as long as it serves chaos and vader's like chaos yeah he took that very oh. offensively no he he took it as like hmm maybe you and i are more alike than uh than than i thought because he's like he hates chaos he hates the emperor obviously she hates chaos and the emperor vader wants order and so now is this like now he's even more attracted to this fake <laughs> fake padme yeah i i i definitely could see that my interpretation was that he's part of the empire and he feels like he is bringing order and you know, like he was just like, this is, I am the empire. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just going back to the other issues where that was the big thing between him and the emperor. That's his, true. That's remember true. where he was. That's what he was acting against the emperor so much at first in these in this series. Um, that's true. So I do like that Pack went back and did full circle on that um, because Sabe was one of the first characters introduced in this series as well. Yes, she was uh, when he went to visit Padme's grave. So it's interesting to think about how much longer will this go on? I wonder, you know, um, what is the end goal for Sabe? Uh, I'm sure she gets murdered some way, but um, I don't know. I'm just, I think this was a really neat parallel. um, And we definitely got to see a little bit of Anakin Skywalker here. Yeah. The final, I, I mean, I don't know which one of us should say it, but the final line of this book, I, I, I verbally gasped. Yeah, say it. When he asks if, uh, I believe he asks if she fears him and he respond and she responds with, why should I be scared of Anakin Skywalker? And that was like, bam, like Mike drop, like, yep. whoo, she knows. And not, not many, if any people really like Obi-Wan know, knew, obviously the emperor knows. Most of them yeah. think Anakin was killed during the purge. She did her homework. She knows. And I like that she's been written in as a major character in this series, like I said, because it was such a shock at first. And I didn't really think handmaiden when I saw her show up in the first mm-hmm. issues. Um, and now to circle back to this is great too. Um, but yeah, that, that last line really got me too. I just was like, this is good. This is good. Um Yeah. The other thing that that really got me was like this. There was a little like banter about a bag of heads. Do you remember that the comic? <laughs> yes, yes. This is a side conversation of these characters in the back, and I was like reading this. It's like, what, what, what do you, what do you do with a bag of heads or something? Yeah, I'm just like, what is this? This is great. These two so. Crimson Dawn dudes, like at one of the base, at one of their bases, is just discussing a bag full of heads, and it's just like. What is happening? It was funny. That was it. That was a really good little thing because I love when they do that because it's just it just adds a little humor to something. So we see we go to the we go see this Crimson Dawn cell and they've taken it over. We have Valance and crew have returned in this um in this issue. As you mentioned, Ochi went to Ramadi um to tell him that Vader has gone rogue. Mm-hmm. What was your thought on that? This is another double agent thing. Is he well, betraying Vader, or he's trying to set up Crimson Dawn? Right. He's no Ochi doesn't want to do. Ochi serves Ochi, and that's all Ochi does. And he was very, very clear on that. Um, he's like, um, if you're f- listeners, if you're familiar with Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, there is an episode where Mac repeatedly says, "I'm playing both sides." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling both sides that I'm playing both sides. And that's that's actually what I genuinely thought of during this scene is it's always sunny okay. in Philadelphia. Ochi says, I follow power. And if you are the one that ends up to General Ramoti, says, if you are the one that ends up in power, then I want to give you a reason to keep me alive. So I'm tipping you off on Vader going rogue. And it's just, it's just because he's a, like you said in the beginning, he's a sniveling underling. He's a bottom feeder. He has no honor. He never, he never did. And they are making us hate this character because he is the one who murdered Ray's parents. It's true. We know that he's a scumbag. They want to reinforce that. So when the ties attack, they, they initially are going to try to destroy Valance's crew, but Instead, they attack the Crimson Dawn cell, and there's an all-out fight, and they all wipe each other out, which is a really great accomplishment for who in this. We have all this like this double agent thing, the back and forth of triple loyalties, agents. triple agents, and then we just get this all-out fight that was not really intended to happen, but we have the Empire going down and, and taking out a Crimson Dawn cell. Yes. But the thing is with Crimson Dawn is, is Crimson Dawn stretching itself too thin and now making mistakes so the Empire is catching on? Or 
is Crimson Dawn orchestrating this because they have no problem orchestrating things to kill their own people in order to move the proper chess piece to be in the proper place? It's a good question. I don't know. It'll be, it's interesting that we don't know what happens to Crimson Dawn quite yet in the new Republic, as, as we kind of mentioned before, kind of seeing where we're going to be headed when the hidden empire does pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this jump past Jedi into the new Republic times? Maybe. So we will see. Uh, we already talked about the exciting uh, ending to this book with that line. And it really makes me look forward to more Sabe and Vader team up. Yeah, I I agree. I also do like that Sabe was in the movies. Um, she was both in episode one and in episode two. Um, am I Kira co- Knightley? I don't know if it was Kira Knightley or was it what's her name from the Insidious films who came into Padme's bedroom when those nasty centipedes tried to kill her? Was mm. that was that Sabe or was it Kira Knightley? I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I mean, Kira Knightley. Oh, it is Kira Knightley. Okay. Yeah, it is interesting to have this character come back because Kira Knightley is a big name too, and I thought that was a really neat thing because I was like, oh, she does look like Natalie Portman. Yeah, she does. So that's Darth Vader twenty-two, and now we're going to talk about Crimson Reign number four, which I have been waiting for so badly and i totally forgot that this was this issue until i opened it and i was like yes we're finally here because i feel yes. like this was talked about two issues ago or three issues ago maybe like right in the first beginning. issue yeah the yeah. first issue there you go which is the assault on fortress vader on darth vader's castle on mustafar and the knights of ren are going to attack it or not attack it but steal something yeah yes a heist which is in my mind an absolute suicide mission yes and something i would have loved to watch on disney plus yes so um this one's called the knights it's called it's written by charles soul art by steve cummings inks by victor elzaba colors by guru efx and letters by travis langham so kira and the knights meet up um, this is interesting because you you have Ren trying to be a suave womanizer with Kira, and it's funny the one panel of how they draw it because they draw it as if she's pretending to fall for his 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 coming ons to her, and I thought that was funny because she is she is such a like a strong woman, and then put that guy in his place. Yeah, like the way she covered her face, like she was. Yeah. She yeah. was impressed, but like you could tell she was kind of laughing at him, you know, and, and just making him think for a second that she's in like he takes his helmet off and he's got his long flowing hair and she's just not feeling it. I am ever since that holiday special, I can only read Ren's voice as Christian Slater. So I'm just so enthralled by his character. <laughs> yeah, Christian I thought about Slater that too. growing up. <laughs> and this is a character where I'm actually really interested in it because, you know, growing up, the only time we really got other dark side users here and there, Maybe. definitely in video games, like yep. they definitely had different, like they had to do something. But here, like we can talk about the Night Sisters. Night Sisters are a good example from the EU that led to, you know, Clone Wars, another faction mm-hmm. of dark side users. Knights of Ren, another faction of dark side users. This is neat to me because we have the idea of there's only two Sith. Darth Maul's off doing his own thing. He still is a dark side user. He's a fallen Sith Lord. All of these other factions. And I love to see the different aspects of the dark side because they're all in fear of the Sith. The Sith Mm -hmm. will hunt them down and murder them just like they hunt down the Jedi. Yeah, and the Sith are i would say the top in terms of dark side practitioners like and i feel like there is a a serious fear from other dark side users going back to what you said the night sisters you know when the night sisters fought count dooku you know this is a sith lord you know when the knights of ren are you know confronted by vader in this book 
this is a Sith Lord. So sure, they may use the same quote-unquote magic, but a Sith Lord is leagues, leagues, leagues above anything that you're 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 doing balloon animals at kids parties okay <laughs> evil ones but yes. of course of course evil exactly. ones exactly um i also like how they call the dark side shadow i think that's a really neat way to refer to it uh and to have it referred to as something else than the dark side of the force is is great because i just i love how they're building this out yeah and just and- a small issue it was and i think though like I, I, what i like about it is it mirrors our world in terms of you know there's god yahweh jehovah allah they're just different names for the same thing and in to see that in star wars you know you have the dark side well they call it the shadow and that i, I think that that's super creative so let's get to the meat of this let's get to the heist itself kira has asked them to retrieve a key from vader's castle also called Fortress Vader. Yes, and what's interesting about the key is they said specifically that the key in his vault, they don't know what it opens, and Kira <laughs> does. That's that's exactly how you should leave that information. Uh, she's a very smart person not to ever tell people too much about their mission. Yeah. I mean, look at these guys. I wouldn't trust any one of them. Kira has the lock. Vader has the key, but Vader doesn't even know the where the lock exists. Right. Uh, and again, I, I, it's this is twice in one show, and I'm sorry, but I was refer. It's referencing another. It's always sunny in Philadelphia episode. <laughs> so if you are as big of a sunny fan as I am, when it comes to keys and locks and not knowing one or the other exists, um shoot us an email or comment on this with the episode that I'm talking about. Um, But anyway, so they are at this, they're doing the heist. um, And I like your notes here. You said the lava is the, the guard. I love this, this panel. Yeah. Cause they're like, there's no guards. Lava is the guard. Cause when you look at it in any interpretation or any drawing of this, it's just lava pouring everywhere from the base of the castle and it's neat because i i did not know that the other knights had dark side powers i didn't know that they did not i thought they were henchmen i thought they were just warriors of some sort but ren and all of them stand there and they part the lava and they find the secret entrance into vader's castle yes and what i imagine is vader long day at the office comes in he's like going through his mail in his hand and he just does this real quick with his hand and the and the lava just parts and he walks inside and you've got like six of the knights of ren all like straining with everything they have to to part this lava and that's what i kept thinking was like this is like vader's coming home on sunday like and just like flip flipping his hand real quick and it parts and these guys are you know one of them probably pooped himself just trying to like hold this thing open so i thought that that was my brain does weird things but anyway (laughs) i can see them throwing the him throwing the junk mail into lava you know exactly they run across vanny so you say vanay vanay vader's servant vader's property as he as he makes it well known Mm -hmm. that he is part of the property and i don't think i've seen these vader troops before these vader troopers um it's very cool these stormtroopers different color definitely vader colors mm-hmm. um and so he sends in a battalion of them to battle the knights of red and then he said he un- like basically unleashes a trap mm-hmm. um and this is a great fight on paper i really yeah. i really enjoyed this yeah it was it was very very good um i like seeing Vinay. Um, I, I loved him in the, the Halloween Lego special. I, he was in rogue one, right? He's, he's the he one was. who's at the castle. Okay. That's that is Vinay. Yep. Um, so I really, I love the, what you thought was a throwaway character. They're expanding on Vinay. Um, he is the single caretaker of Vader. He is the only one Vader trusts because Vader is completely, at, at the mercy of anyone when he's just dangling in his back to tank. Oh yeah. And so he need, so Vinay 
make sure that he is kept safe while Vader isn't. Oh, the beginning of the heist when they're like, what is all of this? And they're like, it's back to think about the thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of gallons of Bacta that Darth Vader goes through and he spits in the Bacta tank. I was like that. That's funny. That is some funny stuff. Vader's like floating in the Bacta and there's like the spittle like floating through it. Like, what is that? It's a loogie. For those of you that don't know, um, Bacta is a healing liquid in Star Wars. It not only helps you heal, but it also um, will stop your wounds from continuing. Um, in terms of Vader, he is really just a stump. He has no arms. He has no legs. And he is severely burned on most of his entire body, which what is left of his body. So when he is not in his Vader suit, which is, in, which is excruciating constant pain, he is hanging inside of a Bacta tank. Um, and there's a one of my favorite visuals from Rogue One is the back to tank draining, and he's just dangling there. Um, that was one of my favorite visual visual scenes. I want to see more of that in Obi Wan, and I hope we get to see it. Me too. So yeah, Vinay uh, Vinay kind of hangs out while Vader literally hangs out. <laughs> I'm sure that he um, he pages Vader because Vader shows up immediately, or he's coming in with his mail, as you said. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. He just got home a little bit late that day. The doors <laughs> open. That's right. Lights are but on. Vader's, he is there, and they're like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> Vader's ring camera went off. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was interesting because Red is like, run. <laughs> and he's yes. like, he goes and confronts Vader, knowing full well that he's probably the only one who can. He is the only one with a lightsaber in that group, I'm pretty sure. He is. The only other, the other, the only, like, the other memorable one is that Twilight that can't talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, who is that? Yeah, they gave that one a name. The other ones, I don't care because the sequels don't do anything with them. This has done more for the Knights of Ren than anything else in this Star Wars universe, as far as building the characters in one damn issue more than three movies could when they should have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I do like the way they found out Vader was there. Is they were they were pinned down in the vault and they're like they stopped firing. Why yes, why did they stop firing? And they go and look through the door, and Vader's just standing there. And it's just like that's enough to make you like lose your lunch right there. And it, you know, I didn't expect that Vader was gonna be there, and he just just no. showed up like yeah. and with a fury, you know, you're in in essence, you're in my house. <laughs> like this is my house pretty much yeah <laughs> um so they escape most of them. barely the ones that we probably know from upcoming stories or should they replace along the way yeah. 30 years you know what's funny is like the more i think about it it makes so much more sense the way they treated kylo that kylo was not a sith lord that he was a dark force user and the fact that he was again you know leaders leader of the knights of bren at that point i thought that was awesome until they ruined it in those movies and did nothing with it but i can see where they're going with it and i really appreciate it yeah no i agree and i think that him being part of the knights of ren was more of an ego boost to him because he would know that in that group he is the strongest of them no matter what and i think that that helped him because he always lived in the shadow of his grandfather and i think that he's you know it's like being the smartest person in a room full of dumb people, you know, that's going to make your ego, you know, it's going to boost your ego. Exactly. So that was, that was a really fun issue. I, I'm glad that we got more context into that group. I'm glad that we got another visit to Vader's castle. And I always love a good heist, um, no matter how it turns out. Great month of books. Absolutely. A, an excellent month of books. Um, but as usual, I can't wait till next month keeps us coming back every month and we'll be wrapping up crimson rain uh, and hopefully we'll have some news about what's coming next and when it's coming because we haven't heard yet so stay tuned for that and you can check out all the great shows on the defense entertainment network including another great show that rocco mentioned earlier that he and i do called listen up casuals it is the show for the casual comic book fan if you love what's going on in your favorite comic book movies and shows it's the show to listen to 
Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Um, get all the context you need before or even after you watch the movies and the shows. Also, check out Tally Talk. My friend Casey and I do a great podcast based on what's coming out in geek culture. And myself and my uh, partner, Dan, we do a show called Critical Mass which is a socio-political pop culture show and our new season will be back this summer. Well, so stay tuned for that. Can't wait. Can't wait. So as always keep reading those comics. It's very important. I think that uh, this is a great aspect of star Wars. that A lot of people miss, you know, you can watch movies. The shows are getting better. I've always felt like comics have always been one of my favorite parts of star Wars because of the stories they can tell. Yes, I would say outside of the original trilogy and the Mandalorian, we're getting our best Star Wars in the comics. Um, and I always say the last four episodes of Clone Wars is like the best Star Wars in the modern era. So, yes. And Obi-Wan, I'm sure, is going to set a new standard as well. So, I certainly hope so. All right. So, for everybody out there, thank you for listening and may the force be with you.